0: All right, everybody, welcome to the State of the Lakers postgame space. Um, I appreciate you guys making time for us on your Sunday night to come and hang out. I hope you brought questions. I hope you brought anything you want to vent about, anything you want to say, because we're going to try to take as many as we can tonight. Um, obviously, I think
1: uh, everything we have to say about tonight starts and uh, ends with AD. Don't you think, Raj? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I had a bunch of things written down here, but uh, AD for sure is the main main story. We can start with him. Sure.
0: Yeah, I, I think like, uh, you know, we, we started to notice that he looked a little bit better physically the last couple of games. Um, the big thing that stood out to me tonight is, you know, his physical aggressiveness around the basket on both ends of the floor and not just as an offensive player, but as a, a rebounder and as a shot blocker. And the thing is, is like, you know, you can tell there's a huge difference with him offensively when he's being more physically aggressive, because just like yeah. with that shot chart that I shared, he just tends to get a little bit closer to the rim with those jump shots. Like there's a huge difference for AD between his fadeaway and when he's shooting over the top of people, it's like two completely different shots. Cause like he gets into your body and he kind of reaches over the top of you and he's shooting like an eight foot jump shot. That's a really high percentage shot. It's different than him taking some, you know, crazy spinning fadeaway from 17, 18 feet. If you look at his shot chart, he hit a bunch of shots going over both shoulders, getting into that, like, you know, five to 10 foot range where he's so deadly with his soft touch.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like, I'm going to tie this back into AD, but like we were talking about how like unserious the Lakers were right in a lot of these games. And like mm-hmm. tonight, Vogel coached as like it was a playoff game, right? He match up, he went with the correct matchups all night, pretty much. And AD as well to start this game, he was aggressive. They had uh, I think Torrey Craig on him to start. Mm-hmm. And he just, was no matchup for him. They even had to start Dario Saric, I think, in the second half um, uh, to match up, to match with Anthony Davis. And he he went off. His jumper was going. He was at the rim getting fouls, getting contact. And this is what we wanted to see, right? Like, I keep saying these wins are just gravy. Like he's, we're pretty much locked into the seventh seed, pretty much. So these wins, mm-hmm. to me, are just, like, Cherry on the top, uh, Ad looking like himself is the most important thing, and he he absolutely did tonight. He did against Portland as well, and uh, he's going on like a linear curve, right? Is what it feels like. Like he going oh, yeah. against Denver, uh, the Clippers. I think he only played like the first quarter, but against Denver, Portland, and now Phoenix, he's on like a linear curve here, just really uh, being aggressive, being himself, being you know, there was this bubble Ad talks, but he just looks uh, he just looks like himself, and that's the most important thing. And uh, him dropping, I think I think he got to forty tonight. Right. uh, 40 points back to back 30 point games for the first time, the uh, the second time this season since February. So, yeah, he was he was dominant. He was the he was the big story tonight.
0: Well, and like he uh, I, you know, I think that while it's also important for us to acknowledge that he's been amazing in this last week, it's also important for us to acknowledge that he wasn't great for most of the season. And, you know, maybe it was health. Maybe it was a lack of effort. Maybe it was coasting, whatever you want to call it. But this has been different, you know. I pointed out the stats uh, last week, but he had like five forty-point games, and I think a fifty last uh, uh, last season as well. And I yeah. think this is, ju- I think this is just his second forty-point game of the year this year. So it's been nice to see him peaking at the right time, if that makes sense. But it, you know, we had our concerns for good reason because it just didn't, it just didn't look right. And the biggest difference to me was, you know, that diving on the floor. The yelling and screaming yeah. after the alley-oops. Like, there was a play there in the third quarter where he broke up a lob where it was just like an extra effort play that we haven't seen from him yet this year. And just just there was a fieriness and a competitiveness to the way he was playing tonight that was super refreshing to see because he is a competitor like that. And, and you know, maybe it was just his leg and, and him dealing with that all season. But we just didn't see... That out of him this year. So it was so refreshing to to see that out of him literally in every facet of the game. Like he was just in a game that had Devin Booker and Chris Paul. He was several tiers ahead of everybody else on the floor as the best player in the game. And and that was that, that was comforting to see
1: yeah his motor is what's what makes him part generational right it's like his mm-hmm. motor combined with those skills combined with the like being able to rebound offensive rebound go after boards play de- like his defense man tonight like you could just tell the difference he obviously walked into this season trying to relax Get through it slowly, fit in, right? He said a lot. His quotes earlier in the year were a lot about fitting into a new team. And we're we're like, you're Anthony Davis. You don't fit into the team, but (laughs) they fit on you, man. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, like, his defense is what allows them to play the kind of. The play the way they did tonight right especially against Phoenix trapping Devin Booker being able to switch Devin Booker like was isolated against AD a few times tonight and just could not even get a shot off right like he couldn't even get any space and that's the type of stuff that we just weren't seeing um early in the year and you're right it's okay to like bring that up and he's able to help and recover he had one play uh where he uh, he was able to recover at the rim and get out and block Jay Crowder and I'm like yeah that's that's how you know AD is, like, feeling like himself, right? He's able to – he controlled both ends tonight. I think he only finished with, like, five assists. But I thought he handled double teams really well. I don't know about you. But oh, yeah. I felt like he. I felt like he really, like, read the traps nicely, Um, that play before the half, especially where, like, they came and sent the double. He found Ben McLemore in the corner, and it was just great to see him. Like, like I hate how theoretical this team is because now you're just theoretically – putting LeBron in now right you're like okay mm-hmm. this is how it's going to look with LeBron but like if those two are going it's going to be special I don't think Phoenix wants to see this team um be in the first round
0: well so that so starting with the individual side of it uh that was what was cool about this specific matchup one of the big things that I've always said that I like about the Suns as a potential playoff team is they have all of these wing defenders and yeah. they also have these guards that can defend, but then they also have like a big guy, you know, DeAndre Ayton, who can theoretically, with his size, match up with some of the bigger players in the league. Well, Anthony Davis saw all of those guys tonight and just barbecued every single one of them. Like they literally could do nothing with him in individual coverage. And then it just kind of waterfalled into the, the progressions, right? Then, then they started sending uh, double teams and, yeah. and 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 I thought one of the really smart things that the Lakers did, especially in the minutes that Marcus all. Was in the game, and uh, our guy Vinay was actually tweeting about this, and I thought it was uh, a really smart find on his part. But when they would put uh, Marcus Saul as the guy at the top of the key out of those double teams, it was perfect because then it simplified AD's read. He could just make a quick read out to Mark, and then Mark, you know, a really gifted passer, could be the guy that really made them pay by making the more complicated read out of those double teams. Um, but yeah, I mean, the end of the third quarter was the, the microcosm of of what it's like having such a matchup problem. You know, Anthony Davis dribbles the ball across half court with 20 seconds to go in the, in the quarter shot clock is, is turned off and the Suns are all kind of looking at each other. Like, what are we supposed to do? And then they just openly double him 35 feet from the basket. And it leads to a wide open shot for a guy who, if you leave him wide open, is going to make, you know, 45, 50% of them in, in Ben McLemore. And, and he knocked it down. And, and it was, just, it was just cool to see that. And, Honestly, it was just like, uh, it was a, you know, just a great sigh of relief for Laker fans because Anthony Davis being Anthony Davis was such an important box to check for this team to be able to uh, compete in this competitive playoff field that we have. And that appears to have been resoundingly checked in this last week. Minus, of course, a couple scares like him once again, like he does every single night randomly grabbing at a limb, <laughs> uh, thinking, right, yeah. th- scaring us into thinking he might've been hurt. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I don't know how, like th- he looked, th- tonight he looked like bubble Anthony Davis, which I think is exactly what we were hoping to see before this uh, this last five games stretches over.
1: Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And like that That kind of brings everyone else up, right? Like everyone else mm-hmm. knows, like it's time to go, right? All the rotations were crisp. crisp First tonight, we had like a Cameron Payne game because of course we had, A Cameron Payne game but um, other than that I thought they played really well they played Chris Paul and Devin Booker I think as well as I've seen anyone play them uh Mm -hmm. like I said before was in like his playoff kind of form I guess we can kind of move on after like AD I guess he's still part of this but like we saw Gasol and Trez minutes tonight which I thought Mm -hmm. was a revelation um I thought they played really well in the first half in the second half they, they still had some kinks to work out um but I thought it looked nice like Trez was able to play the five on uh, offense and then play the four on defense. Um, did you like what you saw from that? Like the that song,
0: that last part is key because, you know, so for instance, I have, I've, I've talked to you a lot this season, like Montrez has to defend like a four. And for the record, right. that doesn't, that doesn't mean he needs to be the four. You can do this when, uh, so for instance, like if you have a, a two, a two, three pick and roll, usually your two and three will, def- will switch that screen. Uh, usually only actions that involve the five will cause teams to do, you know, drop coverages and different pick and roll coverages that involve the big man, you know, doing something different than a, a traditional switch. Well, I've always been arguing this season that Montrez needs to switch screen and roll because he is good in space because he is a good athlete with long arms who moves well laterally and has a great motor and he operates well in the chaos when he's running around in, in rotations and helping when, you know, off of double teams and stuff. And so like when you put him defensively as the four and he's no longer a screen and roll defender, but rather just a defender playing on the perimeter, he's actually a really good defensive player. And I think he's been miscast as a dude who defends like a traditional five. When you play him as the five, you need to use him more as a perimeter type of defensive player. And what's nice about the Marcus all minutes is it unlocks that it allows him to defensively play like a four. And you can see, how, how that worked. It didn't look good in the, in the fourth quarter, but I think that was kind of a stretch in the game where the, where the Lakers were letting go of the rope a bit from in terms of their effort. Yeah. Um, so I, I, didn't think that like, even when camera Payne was going off, like it kind of felt more profit, uh, a product of sloppiness, um, just kind of as a result of being up 20. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you, man. And what a great, what a great excuse to get more Marcus all minutes than to play him with <laughs> Trez. If you're so intent on, on, on playing Montrez, like, do it with Gasol, then you can get Gasol in there too, and and I I, I hope they uh, do it a little bit more because uh, I I do think he provides a a, a unique twist uh, to what they bring for, in terms of their physicality.
1: Yeah, and it's not just the Gasol minutes; it's also there was no Marquise tonight, right? And mm-hmm. I think he's playable in certain matchups. It's just like a, a drum that I've been banging all season. Is I just don't think you can have Marquise and Trez as your four or five, right? And they were doing that a lot this year, and they would blow a lot of the leads that the starters would put up and so one of them would sit and tonight it was marquee maybe it's trez another night but again that's just a way to get gasol more minutes and i think this is this was a serious game like you could tell it was coached that way um he was even like he was matching caruso's minutes with chris paul and kcp's mm-hmm. minutes with devin booker again those are just like seriousness things that we just weren't doing uh early in the year right and we were and we really wanted to win this game it was showed and i thought everyone played that way and uh yeah gasol looks like he's gonna start getting even more minutes he went to drummond a little bit in that fourth quarter and again i think he just keeps trying to do that trying to see if it works and i, I thought i guess we can kind of move to drummond here because i think that's a hot topic as well on uh, mm-hmm. lakers twitter uh, i talk about it a lot like drummond has a lot of loud mistakes right like that's why he gets like to lie, i thought he like did an okay job like he, he was a force on the offensive rebounds um i wish that every time he got an offensive rebound he just kicked it out because like i just don't trust him to go back oh, over yeah. it. but uh but, yeah, like I thought he, he was a part of why DeAndre Hayden wasn't an um, impact at all to like the fourth quarter. Right, So I thought like there were points. He did struggle a few times. But, um, yeah, like I felt like it was another game where he, he had a lot of loud mistakes and it really showed up uh, mm. in the fourth quarter. What did you think of Drummond from tonight? tonight?
0: I thought he had a bad fourth quarter shift. Um, yeah. But outside of that, I thought he was pretty good. You know, I agree with you. He's got loud mistakes. He's a He's your textbook good play, bad play guy. And whether or not whether or not it's a good Andre Drummond game has to do with whether or not there were more good plays than bad plays. It's really it's really that simple. And and you know, he had a couple of sloppy turnovers where he tried to put the ball on the floor after offensive rebounds in the first half and, and they were turnovers. But like the the in the grand scheme of things, he had more positive impact than negative impact during those shifts. And Really physically imposing, getting and you know it's it's not the Andre Drummond in a vacuum. It's him in in combination with Anthony Davis. Just the two of them. Yeah. When they're both being physically aggressive, it's just what like it just wears on other teams. And then you throw LeBron into that mix, who is every bit as you know physically imposing as those guys. It it can it can be something that can be a weapon that the Lakers have in their arsenal. But you know again, as long as they do what Frank did, you know. Hey, you know, Drummond's having a bad fourth quarter shift here. The wheels are coming off a little bit. Let's go to Mark. And that's what he did. And, you know, that that to me is how you got to use Drummond is you got to kind of feel out what kind of night he's having. And if you, it is just like the Dwight Howard experience, like feel out what kind of night he's having. If he's having one of those nights, you just got to pull him. But, uh, but if he's, if he's staying on task and his good outweighs the bad, you can ride him for stretches and he's going to be a, a net positive.
1: Yeah, he had a few like nice jobs on like where Chris Paul would come off a screen, and he was able to like re- hedge and then recover back, right? And he was a part of, he was a good mm-hmm. part of the scheme of the of the defense in the first quarter, but everyone's gonna remember that that missed layup where uh, I think Jay Crowder was on the floor or I think he had another uh he had another really bad uh play. But I thought he was okay. Like again, I just feel like these are all gonna be situational and we saw that tonight. Marcusal was the first big um to come off the bench tonight and then I think it was Trez. But yeah, I think in the playoffs you're gonna see more Mark and you saw Mark kinda play those those minutes when it mattered, right. Especially the beginning of the fourth and he played a lot with 80 tonight uh, as well. So again, like we can kind of harp on Drummond a lot. Like he, he gets the he gets the main kind of culprit every night, but I thought he was okay. He was a, he was a big part of why the Suns had trouble tonight in my opinion, like especially on the board. So um, yeah, like, I feel like he was, he did. Okay. <laughs> he wasn't the, he wasn't a huge, huge, huge issue tonight.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, I, I was thinking a lot about this because we've, we've seen so much Drummond this year. Uh, without LeBron and we talked. you and I talked right when the signing happened, like, Hey, we really can't judge the signing until LeBron comes back, you know, and for a lot of reasons, not just what he does offensively, but because he raises the collective IQ of everybody on the floor just by telling people where to be and so on and so forth. And, and we still really haven't gotten to see it because of LeBron's injury. So like, you know, for him to be, to have nights like this, where he's a net positive, before LeBron even comes around, I think is, is optimistic where I think there were some Laker fans who were way too optimistic about Drummond up front. And, and I think, I think we've been enlightened to the fact that he has struggled in previous stints for good reason. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I, I think he is a usable piece here. And, and just like you always harp on when we do these podcasts, like he does catch too much flack Kind of is just like the scapegoat for all their problems. When a lot of these yeah. nights,
1: it's kind of a collective poor effort. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I guess we can kind of keep going from Drummond. Um, I, the game from Caruso tonight, man. Seventeen points and then uh, six. I don't know if that's what he finished with. I just wrote down seventeen points, six assists, and like all those reps. Remember when uh, LeBron went down? They were giving it to Caruso, and he was getting turnovers and uh, you know bad shots. Those reps seem to be paying dividends now because he just looks mm-hmm. so comfortable with the basketball. Like, he knows where to go. He found, uh, I think, one of the biggest plays of the night, and the Suns were kind of making their run. Um, he had the ball at the top. There was no- nothing going on offense. And then he kind of told West to cut, and then West got, like, an and-one, I think, on Chris Paul, and that kind of settled the game down. I think they went back up uh, 13. But, yeah, his ball handling looked just so much better. It looks comfortable taking that mid-range pull-up, too, now. Right, like, mm-hmm. the team's sag off him. He's he's taking it uh, aggressively and uh, and comfortably. So, what what did you see from Cruz? I thought, I thought he was great.
0: Well, so the first thing you said was the the first thing that stood out to me, which is something you and I talked about immediately after LeBron's injury in that first couple of games where it looked really bad. Um, you and I talked about how, mm-hmm. excuse me, you and I talked about how you know these guys need reps in their new roles because they were all all of a sudden slid up a few levels in what they were being asked to to to, to do. So it was it was bound to have like kind of a, a bumpy road there at the beginning and like you said, all those reps appear to have paid off the, you know, you touched on a lot of the important details uh, involving his passing and his pull-up shooting. Um, He's actually a a smarter playmaker than I think we've given him credit um, uh, over the season. The big one that stood out to me is like, you know, Alex Crusoe is a big guard. Like he's six foot six, really good athlete um, jumps better than most of the players on the floor and so what What I think he's kind of figured out in the last week is that when he goes to the rim, uh, people have to foul him or people, or like they're going to struggle to, to out jump him. And uh, there were a couple of plays tonight where you can tell he kind of is unlocked that like, Oh, I have a little bit of a step here. I'm just going to go as fast as I can and jump as high as I can and get into these bodies. And, and I think okay. because I'm a good athlete, I'm going to get a lot of calls or if they don't foul me, I'm just going to finish. And, he, there in that second half, he had several layups driving the basketball and he had uh, uh, several plays where he just dropped, drew fouls because he got the defense out of position. And And that's the thing. like, Use what your strengths are. Like, If you're a Kemba Walker, you need to be shifty. You need to get guys off balance. You need to use your skill set. But Alex Caruso is a great athlete at the point guard position. And and he's unlocked that a little bit and, and used it to his advantage to make up for some of his skill deficiencies. and I, And I think that was really smart.
1: Yeah, and, like, I wrote here, like, uh, AC versus Chris Paul, because, like, Chris Paul does a lot of those things, right? He's, like, one of the smartest basketball players ever as well, right? His IQ is insane. And, like, they Mm -hmm. trusted him to be the one to kind of chase him over screens. And he's never going to win, like, a who's right, right? Like, when Chris Paul looks at the ref and, like, they call him out. He's never going to win those. He tried to win a few of those, and he got, like, his fourth and fifth foul. But I thought he was just excellent tonight uh, going around the screens of Chris Paul, staying on his back, contesting. Uh, Chris Paul is amazing. He had a few mid-range pull-ups in his face. I thought he was just incredible on him tonight. And that two-way play, man, and again, this is all... I hate how theoretical this is, but, like, if we can get this Caruso with, you know, LeBron back and AD with who he is, it just changes um, the ceiling and floor of this team even higher. last... I think I said last year, Crusoe walked in the playoffs as like a 33% three point shooter, and he hit timely Mm -hmm. ones in the playoffs. But he's walking in this year as a 40% three point shooter, and he's taking them so confidently, even in transition. There's a few that I wish like he didn't shoot, but I just love how confident he's taking them. He gets him in the corner if he's open, he shoots it, and uh, he, he hits big shots. Uh He had big ones in the first quarter as well. So yeah, it's just cool to see his his offense grow, and and we get something out of those games where LeBron didn't play, shooter didn't play right. It feels like we got some reps for him, and and I guess we can kind of move as well to Tht who. Like I feel like this was a bad THC game in overall like is but mm-hmm. I think they need I think they needed it if that makes sense like they needed someone to like where he can dribble and create a shot and at least it wasn't a turnover uh, he has a lot of creative creative drives but he, I think he found um I forgot who he found in the corner late I don't remember if it was West or KCP um what did you, you see from him I thought I thought he had a he had a not not a good game for him but I think they needed like his ball handling tonight. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you. I think I think
0: uh, um, it takes away some of the absolute need to have guys like, you know, KCP and Ben McLemore over dribbling and and doing things that kind of take them out of their skill set. Like, you know, KCP had a really good game tonight, I thought. And it was because he was kind of slid back into his proper role as a guy who's attacking off of closeouts and off ball. Um, you know, I've I've said all there is to say really about Tht. I, I mean, I thought I thought a couple of striking things. <laughs> I, I, I thought a couple of striking typical things happened with him tonight. He uh, he was one of the reasons why um, uh, campaign got going a little bit uh, was his lack of attentiveness oh, yeah. defensively. Um, there was a play where off of a double team in the post where he was wide open on the right wing. I think this was actually in the first half. And he just shot a brick of a three that like went two feet over the rim and went carrying off the backboard. I'm I'm in Tucson, so I had to listen to the Suns broadcast, and the Suns broadcasters were like, whoa, that was <laughs> that was a bad miss. Anyway, like he he the his spacing is gonna be a legitimate concern in a playoff series. He's he's a guy that you don't have to guard on the perimeter. Um and and then just in general, just consistent decision making, which I think is one of the biggest reasons why LeBron has been such a good playoff player in his career is like, he just hemorrhages less possessions than the other team and more consistently uh, will, will identify the best available shot. And that kind of like little decision-making on the margins makes such a big difference. And so in a, in a, you know, in, in these playoff games, like two or three bad decisions from THT can, can swing a series. And, and that to me is stuff that I've harped on all season. I, I, I'm such a believer. He had another play tonight. That was like a superstar play. He like split a pick and roll and Saric was waiting for him at the rim. And he just mm-hmm. did like a power dribble right into Saric's chest and Saric like just caved oh, yeah. in and backed away. And then he had a wide open layup after it's like, that's, that's like, that's like star level stuff. And so I'm, I'm I, I, you know, I'm just going to say the company line again here, which is that I love THT. I don't want to see him in the playoff rotation. That's just my <laughs> kind of take on it.
1: Yeah. Like, I think that first play that he came in, he left campaign open I was like, oh man, like he's gonna get in the rhythm, and he, and he absolutely did. not. I just love watching him drive, though, right? Because you can tell he's just thinking in his head, like, what do I do? Like even on that Sarge play, he's like driving. He's like, okay, I'm just gonna bully him in the chest, and it worked that time. By the oh, time right. he'll so drive, and he'd be like, okay, let me 360 dribble, spin, pass it to the corner. It goes out of the bounds, and he's like surprised. So um, yeah, I don't know. But it, like just to move on from like Tht to go on your point, like a guy who's probably a little bit more reliable is like West Matthews, right? And I think mm-hmm. it was cool to see him. Like again, like these are guys that it feels like they're going on like a a linear curve, right? They're improving at like a linear rate. Like West Matthews now is like starting to play good and consistent games. He had a good game, I think, against Portland as well. Um, and and he's defending well. Like he's he's hitting shots. He had like a really cool three off AD. Um, turning cor- turning the corner and the shooting, bailout like, one. Yeah, yeah the bailout one, one. Yeah, yeah so. So it's good to see him. Uh, And like, this seems like a a playoff matchup that's going to happen. It feels like to me, um, this seems like the likely scenario Um, for me, like my biggest thing for this, for this matchup, I wanted to do this after the Clipper game, but it just didn't matter because they didn't take it as serious. Um, What was your biggest like takeaway as like a playoff matchup? Mine was definitely the size, I guess. Is there anything else that you saw that's like really glaring uh, if these two teams play, play in the playoffs?
0: Well, so a couple things. So first of all, no one can guard Anthony Davis that yeah. that is that is the the absolutely terrifying thing if you're a Phoenix Suns fan is no one on that roster even remotely bothered Anthony Davis like there were a couple of plays where even Jay Crowder uh, opted for a lot of ball pressure as AD was dribbling further away from the basket which is something that you and I have talked about a lot that we don't love Anthony Davis in that type of matchup and even then he was able to patiently just kind of wait for Jay to gamble one way and then just kind of spin off of him and go down the lane and he drew a couple fouls that way got into the lane and maybe uh, there was another one where he missed the layup but uh, Drummond was right there to clean it up like he he there was no one on the roster that could guard him so that's that's number one you're the most exciting thing about a playoff matchup there is just the way that that can warp everything in the way that the Suns have to to change their defense and then secondly you know I thought with the Laker defense you know they did a really good job of making things extremely difficult for uh, for Booker and Chris Paul, while at the same time, like not leaving such gaping openings on the back end that the younger players on the roster were able to make them pay. Um, you know, like the, the, they they did a good job of closing off the rotations quick enough so that you know mediocre to below average playmakers off of the ball. Um, you know, like Michael Bridges, or whether it was you know DeAndre Ayton catching the ball, there just wasn't anything available there, and, and I and I thought that was really impressive. And the Laker, the Laker defense, I tweeted about this tonight. Like, I was actually watching the Clippers game today, and I thought to myself, like, you know, everyone's talking about this Knicks defense and how it you know is making the Clippers struggle, but that's what the Lakers look like when they're trying. You know, that's what's so exciting, and and that's yeah. what they did. That's what they did tonight. They just they went through stretches where they were were stifling and everyone helps each other. And and it it was just, it was just really, really fun to watch. And, and I, I personally think that that just in and of itself makes them so difficult to beat in a seven game series and uh, throw, throw in LeBron into that whole mess and in the way that Anthony Davis warps all the matchups. And, and, and I, I think that as long as they can get through the playing game, which is going to be tricky, um, you know, on account of the health problems, um, as long as they can get through that playing game, I actually think that's a really good first-round matchup for the Lakers to kind of get their sea legs.
1: Yeah, definitely. And just watching tonight, like, they put uh, Craig on AD, and I think Mikhail Bridges um, tried to switch on him a few times as well. But I guess those two would get the main kind of uh, thing on LeBron and AD, right, in a, in a full mm-hmm. series. And I'm just wondering, like, where they go with that. Um, and, and, like, I guess my main takeaway tonight was, like, they were able to take shots away from, like, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, while also limiting the three-point attempts, right? I think Phoenix had, like, 13 three-point attempts at the half, and they averaged, like, 35, 36. I um, think that, mm-hmm. that was the biggest thing. They were able to shut down their guards while also getting out to three-point shooters, um, and, and that's how they're going to have to defend in a series, and uh, we saw why uh, they can they can do that because uh, AD was able to play at, play at his uh, his level. And, oh, uh, where was I going with this? <laughs> but yeah, well, <laughs> well yeah, like maybe 80 was able to play at his uh, generational uh, defensive level and he's going to have to in a series against them. And I thought he was the biggest key. Why? Because he was able to switch on Chris Paul, switch on Devin Booker and really make them not even get shots up. And I thought that was the biggest, uh, biggest thing. Uh, do you have uh, anything else from in this game tonight?
0: Well, just lastly, about the defense, like it, it's so cool the way that when you really, really shut down a team defensively, they start to yeah. miss the open ones, too. And uh, that like you could tell like Devin Booker for most of the game, he wasn't, you know, like pump faking at ghosts exactly, but you could see his aggression tone way back as a result of the fact like he just felt uncomfortable throughout the game. And I'll use one yeah. example. There was a play where he beat KCP backdoors in the first half and KCP. Was just dead to rights. Uh, the Devin Booker's got it under the basket. KCP shorter than him, and Devin Booker's can basically pick either side. He could pump fake and draw a foul, whatever he wants to do. But uh, Montrez Harold was guarding, I think it was Saritz, but somebody in the corner, and Montrez Harold just like just in a in a great read, just bailed on his man and came flying in and and just swallowed up Devin Booker and he ended up kicking it out. Actually, the play actually ended I think in Jay Crowder drawing a foul on a three point shot but the point is is like even when devin booker thought he had an easy look on kcp there came another another wave of the laker defense to throw him off and then it gets to the point where all of a sudden he will break free around the 8 10 foot line off of a couple dribbles uh, in a counter and he'll miss like a 10 footer because he has no rhythm because he because he, he has felt uncomfortable all night and it just throws everything off and that, that's my favorite thing about what the Lakers identity is, is it's just like, you're not going to get anything easy on us. And, and if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to beat us just by consistently making tough shots over the top of our guards. Like that's how you're going to have to beat us.
1: Yeah, exactly. And they were, they were everywhere tonight, right? They were switching, um, trapping on the, the screen and rolls they didn't allow Chris Paul and Devin Booker to really get anything going. I think Chris Paul, all his shots were tough in my opinion. Like I didn't feel like, did you see him get any easy looks? I thought all of his shots were pretty contested. Devin Booker had a few few, uh, good shots in the paint, but I thought for him as well, they were all contested. And uh, yeah, they were flying around. Um, I think AD went to the floor a little bit too many times uh, for my lightning. (laughs) But but he set the tone, right? Like his aggressiveness on both ends kind of of, uh, set the tone here tonight. And they got a huge win. Um, mm-hmm. and, like I don't know if this really matters in terms of like standing because again I feel like we're pretty uh, locked in but I feel like they're they're starting to build some rhythm right some build some build some habits that are good and and it's good to see like them being serious about these games starting to treat them as like playoff reps because they definitely weren't doing that um, before and and also like I guess the last guy I had written down here is like Ben Mclemore the guy that you've been <laughs> you've been behind for a while and and again he doesn't I'm a, really I'm gonna happy. win you over eventually with him. <laughs> Yeah, no, he, he's never met a shot that he doesn't like, right? Like some <laughs> some of the shots are just like he touches the ball and he's like, okay. And I feel like that that's what they've told him as well, right? Like, hey, like when you get the ball, just shoot it. Don't think about playmaking. Don't think about trying to really make too many reads and and that's his that's his job there. And I think it has more positives than negatives. But he did take a, a few wild shots, but and I thought like he defended okay tonight. Like it wasn't great. He had a few off uh, off the ball uh, things there, but yeah, he was he was really good. And the team, it feels like they're getting getting deep. Uh, the guys are getting in rhythm. They can get Schroeder back just for these last few games. And and LeBron we'll see. Hopefully he comes back pretty soon. Um, I feel like they're going they're the right rhythm. No one wants to play them. Uh, that feels pretty key. I think this was a big game for the Suns. I think they wanted the one seed as well. And uh, oh, yeah. the Lakers just took it to them. Tonight.
0: Yeah, so real quickly on Macklemore before you start uh, taking guesses is uh, you know, a couple things. I, you know, We worried about his defense a lot, but as I've always said, like you there you don't have to necessarily worry about that in individual defense within the scheme of the Lakers as long as you play hard in the rotations and there were actually a couple plays there in the second half where Devin Booker got Macklemore on an island and the Lakers just yes. sent the Lakers just sent a double and they were able to make Booker give it up and rotate back out and and nothing was open and and to me that what uh, when I saw that happen I was like okay well here you go this is the point is like Within the Laker defense, you don't have to necessarily be able to guard everybody. You just have to play your role, which is if you can't guard a guy, you're going to have to be able to exist in the chaos of the rotations. And then when you are off the ball, you have to hold up your end of that bargain. And, and that's what makes it work. And then as far as his green light, you know, I think his green light it, it manifests in more than just him making shots. It manifests in spacing. And, you know, when when the, when the other coach is on the whiteboard in the locker room before the game, writing down, you cannot leave this guy open because he's going to shoot it. If you give him an inch of space, that changes the way that that help defender has to play. And and to me, there, there is a lot of advantage to that. I, I, you know, I'm not necessarily saying he should be in the closing lineups. I'm not necessarily saying he should start or anything ridiculous like that. I just think that he very easily fits a role on this team that I think works.
1: Yeah, he's like pretty much the only guy other than like KCP, right, that, that can get hot in a quarter, that can mm-hmm. hit like four threes in like a five, six minute stretch. And I think they need that for a team that really, especially right now, that's struggling to kind of score, um, especially in the half court. They need a guy that can just get hot and he doesn't need that much space. So once he gets one to go, you can tell his confidence just goes up, right? And like once mm-hmm. he gets one, he's going to take the other one uh, as soon as he uh, as soon as he catches it. Um, do you have anything else uh, from tonight before I kind of bring, bring some people up here?
0: Let's get some questions, man. I'm ready.
1: All right. Uh, get your request in. Uh, we'll see how many we can kind of uh, get to, but uh, get some, get your requests in if you want to come up here and uh, speak. Let's start with, uh, I think Tony was first.
0: By the way, I quote get- from Jovan uh, Buha that we were tagged in Anthony huh. Davis on his confidence in LeBron James, getting back to playing like LeBron James quote, what I saw from LeBron today, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. End quote.
1: That's good. That's good to hear. That's very good. (laughs) Tony, what's up? Can you hear us? Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you. What's going on, man? What's
0: up, Tony?
2: Hey, what's up? Um, So for this question, this is going to be based on the, like, assuming we get the seven seed, right? So um, the path is probably going to go through uh, the three best teams, in my opinion, in the west of Suns, Clippers, Jazz, right? And because the, like, the Lakers are going to have, like, very low continuity going into the playoffs, what do you guys think they can do to, like, adjust to that and, like, um, take control of series so that, like, they avoid going down too far before they get to figure out their opponent, if you understand what I'm trying to say?
0: Well, uh, first of all, it, it's still in play. Well, I'm looking up the standings real quick. It's still in play for Denver to get the three seed, yes. Let me double check here. Um, yeah, they're a game away, and they have the time breaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I tend to think that, uh, you know, when it comes to the, the difficulty of the playoff run, the most important thing is not messing around. And this is something that the Lakers did a really good job of last year. Uh, in the sense that they closed out their opponents in five gamers each time. So it made it so that there was additional rest because the physical wear and tear of the postseason will manifest if you keep getting locked into these long series. I mean, the the, the perfect example of that is the 2013 Heat who got roped into a seven-gamer with the Pacers. And then you could just tell that they were physically worn down. When, when they got into the Spurs and, and then that series dragged out. So my thing is like, let's say you face the Suns in the first round, you're better than them. Don't let that get extended, you know, like physically maul them, take care of business end that series in five. And then by the time you're facing the Clippers or the, or the Nuggets or wherever it is that you have to face in the next round, you have four or five days off to get your legs back. And then at that point, it's just, are you the better team? As long as you're not getting physically worn down, it's just about whether or not you're the better team. So I don't worry so much about the playoff path. Uh, as much as I do about them not getting roped into great long series that that physically wear them down, especially with how fragile AD can be.
1: Yeah, I think they just need to really get through that first round, right? Get LeBron's legs under him. AD's starting to get his legs under him, but like, just get a full series, um, get some confidence, get the wins in that first playoff series, and I think they'll be fine. Um, LeBron has a tendency to lose game once, which I mean I can totally see happening again this year. <laughs> and that's why, I'm little, that's why I'm a little bit like worried about the playing game. I don't like that we get just one game to kind of figure out one team. Um, but if we can get through that, and I'm not really worried about that first-round series, I think they'll sit down. They'll they'll be able to like look through, look at a team uh, fully through a whole seven-game series. Um, they can adjust the way they want to and really put the foot down. This team is really versatile when they're healthy. right? They have all these kind of pieces. They can kind of plug and play around LeBron and AD. And I think if they can just get through that first series, which I don't think it will be easy. I mean, they beat Phoenix tonight, but I think that's still going to be a hell of a series in round one uh, with LeBron just jumping right back in. Um. So I think you just get through that. I think they'll be fine. Uh, you yeah. Yep, I agree with you. All right. Uh, yep. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, man. Appreciate you coming on. Appreciate it, Tony. Uh, I think uh, Brett was next. You I can mean, get your request in. I'll see how many we can get to tonight. But uh, yeah, just get your you can get your request in.
0: Raj is playing hurt tonight, guys.
1: He lost his voice. <laughs> yeah. Apologies. Apologies for my voice. <laughs> Brett, can you hear us? Yeah. What's up, guys? What's going on? Hey, Brett.
2: Hey. um, So my question is, uh, Marquise Morris got a DNP today. I just want to know what you guys think his role is going to be down the stretch, especially now that the possibility of a Marc Gasol, Montrezl Harrell playing the four um, type of lineup starting to come. What what do we expect from um, Marquise coming forward?
0: So I thought it was pretty matchup specific. I think the Lakers knew that uh, that Phoenix was a team that, outside of DeAndre Ayton, was very thin on the front line, and they were under the impression that going big would give them a chance to win a game that they they thought they really needed to win, it's not just for the standings, but for the confidence of that team. Um, the remaining schedule for the Lakers is is relatively achievable. Um, I think this game against New York in a couple nights is actually going to be the toughest one they have in that group. So tonight was kind of a little bit of a must win for the Lakers. And so from that standpoint, they went big to try to win the matchup. And I, I think when they get into matchups with uh, teams like, you know, that are a little bit more switchy that they need spacing more, I think you'll see a little bit more Marquise when they need, uh, when they need to go small. Um, But at the end of the day, like uh, I think Frank has shown that he's going to, play the center rotation based on matchups and tonight was a night where the, I think he thought they had a chance to bully Phoenix.
1: Yeah, and I feel like Markeith was just like he was a part of like not playing with Trez. I guess like that's and we touched on a little earlier, like I just didn't want to see them to kind of play together and he was the odd man out tonight. But I think like he'll play in some matches some matchups as well, especially when his three point shooter is going three point shooting is going. Um I'd like to see him next to Gasol, I guess as like that four or five. Um, sometimes as well but tonight he just didn't play because they went to that they finally went to the Trez and Gasol minutes um, that we that we were begging for um, I haven't checked like the plus minus on that yet tonight but it just felt like it looked good it looked good from the eye test they had some things to work out but I thought that Atlanta that played really well we'll see if they go to it against the Knicks who are a little bit more of like a physical kind of bruising team um, so we'll see if they play uh, how the rotations work uh, from there. A lot of it has to do with the way that the game is being officiated too. like, I, you know, uh,
0: there were a lot of, dude, you, you would not believe that how much the Phoenix broadcast was complaining about officiating. It was like the, the entire night, just nonstop. Like at one point the Phoenix broadcasters literally said they were playing five on eight and I'm not joking. That would happen in their version of the broadcast. Um, but in my opinion, the reason I always say this, so I've said this, you know, in, in this podcast format, you know, dozens of times, the more physically aggressive team gets more calls and it seems counterintuitive because you would think the team that's being physically aggressive is fouling, but that's not the case. The team that is being physically aggressive usually gets fouled because that's how the lazier, less physical team tries to compensate for their lack of physicality. And the refs notice that and they usually reward that team. And And I thought tonight the Lakers bullied the Suns into fouling them a lot. Uh, and, and that has to do with, you know. Uh, again, if the if the game is being officiated a different way and the Lakers' size advantage isn't manifesting in a way that they can really do anything with, then hey, you go small. You try Keith, You go with more shooting and see if you can't give uh, better driving lanes or whatever it is that you want to do. But again, the Lakers have flexibility, and I think that that's actually an advantage in the playoff series, not necessarily a bad thing.
1: Yeah, we saw with just with the refs thing. Like, it was funny watching this game, and I'm just thinking about like in a playoff series having to watch like Chris Paul, Devin Booker try to draw those like where they're just driving and, like, you're just sliding with them and they just throw the ball up and they get the call. You know, those kind of calls are just really frustrating just to watch through, like, a full game minute game. And Chris Paul oh, right. is really good good at that as well, right, where he'll just fall, like, he will back into the guy walking up the court and he will draw a foul and all of a sudden uh, you're in the penalty. So it's kind of like a, a game within the game um, looking at that. I thought the the refs, it was a weirdly officiated game, I thought, in the first half. There was a lot of free throws tonight, too. Like, I know a lot of them were fouls. It just It just felt like a really slow non-rhythm game and maybe that's just how the playoffs are going to be if you're more physical and you're just like banging down low um that's how that's how it'll go probably Mm -hmm. yep i agree anything else for us brett no that was it thanks for having me thanks
3: brett appreciate you man thank you guys
1: the uh general addicts I feel like a lot of people wanted more. A lot of people wanted a vent the other night. It looks like yeah, <laughs> a lot dude, this is a little bit
0: a, more of a positive vibe tonight.
1: <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. Uh, General, are you there?
3: Yo, can you guys hear me? What's going on, man? What's up, man? Thanks for bringing me on. Man. uh been listening to the pod a while Just, uh, had a lot of time, a lot of fun uh, watching, not watching, but listening to it. Thanks um, so it, my Yeah. Thanks. Uh, my question. Well, my comment, I guess, is, is kind of focused on uh, lineups and what Vogel might try to do uh, heading into the playoffs with a lack of continuity. So, you know, Dennis coming back potentially with COVID and then combined with Caruso over, especially the last, like, two months, but also just his two, his two years in the league now, kind of looks like he can be, like, a starting caliber player without necessarily playing starter caliber minutes, if that makes sense. So I was thinking, you know, does it make sense for Caruso to, to keep the starting job and for Dennis to do what Jason said, like at the, at the beginning of the year and come off the bench, kind of set the tone on defense for the bench unit and also just, you know, look to score relentlessly, uh, like, you know, with, with Mark, and not Mark, but, you know, Trezor Drummond uh, on the bench, you know, in certain um, uh, matches?
0: So I, I think I'm a big believer in in giving a in giving shooter a chance to be very aggressive in minutes where LeBron and AD are, are one of them is, are off the floor. And typically, the best way to do that is by bringing a guy off the bench, but you can accomplish that by staggering. And honestly, man, like as much as I'd like to say, like, hey, bring shooter off the bench, like he's earned that starting spot. He's been really good this year. He's defended extremely well. His playmaking has taken a massive leap, especially in the last like month or two. I, I think Schroeder deserves the spot. The only thing that'll get tricky, I don't know if he's built up some bad blood in the organization uh, uh, with his recklessness surrounding COVID and, and his absence at this point in the season, but uh, I, I can't speak to that. That's all speculation. I, I, I. But then at the end of the day, like when it comes to their best lineups, I do think it's fair to point out that Schroeder's size can be a problem, and there will be teams out there that will relentlessly attack Schroeder for being a six-foot, relatively thin guard. And you can put lineups as the Lakers out there that have Caruso, you know, KCP, Kuzma, LeBron, AD that are a little more switchable, a little uh, a bit, a bit more stout physically at every position and give yourself maybe a little bit better chance in specific matchups. Uh, and I'm super stoked about how well Caruso's played and him getting so much better makes those lineups a lot more exciting. Uh, but man, uh, D- Dennis has been really good this year, and I mean, I can't, I can't like look at that dude in the face and be like, hey, you're, you belong on the bench. Like he's been, he's been very clearly their third
1: best player this year, and he carried them for a long stretch here with LeBron and AD out. Yeah, and Caruso's gonna close a lot of games, right? Like I'm not really worried about whether he starts or comes off the bench. Um, Shooter's been great defensively. We'll have to see how he comes back. I think he's gonna have to get his conditioning back. So I'm like, I'm okay. Maybe he comes off the bench that first game, he comes back. But yeah, he'll be a starter. Like, his defense is, has been too good. I think earlier before the season started, we said maybe um, he'll come off the bench uh, to be that plug scorer. But his defense is just too good. And then you get all the ball handling. You get, the like, offensive creation. My only worry is, like, just the the timing. Like, they just not have had the reps together, right? LeBron, AD, and uh, Schroeder still only played, like, 20-something games together. It's even less if you add Gasol in a bit even less if you – and none, I think, with Drummond together, right? So that's my only concern here is that just the reps. But I think that's why that first round is so important to me. Like, it's just – they can just get through that. I think, like, they'll be able to just really get on a run here. Um, those guys just need some games together, some high-leverage situations. And, uh, yeah, I think Schroeder should, uh, should definitely start uh, when he comes back. Uh, I, I think he's – like you said, Jason, he's earned it. He's played really well. He's had a great mm-hmm. season. Um, his three-point shooting also is starting to come, come around. It sucks that this happened at this time because I felt like he was starting to find a groove like a really nice mix between being aggressive and being a shot creator and it just this is just how the season has felt like it's gone though uh two steps forward one step back kind of thing but uh, he's yeah he's he's definitely going to be the starter when he comes back Agreed So I guess uh, I don't really have all oh, I got one more to request while well, I wait you got for, one uh, I, Yeah one more Yeah more people if you want to request get in uh you don't have to ask a question just bring up an idea or anything um George can you hear me George, are you there? I think I can hear him. But you there, George? Can y'all hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. There you are. What's going on, man? Uh-oh, lost him again. <laughs> all right, request back. I'll, I'll get you up here. Um, let's see. I'll just, I will like, just I guess while I'm waiting for uh, George to request back, I'll just read this quote real quick. Um, Shout out, uh, Kelly. She, she shared it with me. Um, Frank said he liked the Mark and Trez pairing. I guess they were a minus nine tonight, which it just didn't feel that way. That, I that I guess. might have been the start of the fourth quarter. He must yeah. have listened
4: to our locker room because we were talking about that a few weeks ago. But <laughs> exactly, uh, yeah. one thing I wanted to ask, I don't think Keith played. I don't know if it was health related or maybe a rest because I know he's been struggling. But do you guys like what they did with uh, the center rotation? And because I thought Keefe would be good for this matchup. So just
5: uh, general thoughts on that.
0: We talked about this a little bit earlier. I think the Lakers saw this as a bit of a must win for any of their uh, chances to try to get out of the play-in. And uh, the Suns outside of DeAndre Ayton are very thin on the front line. You know, they're, they've they got big switchy wings, but, you know, Crowder's a bit short. Uh, you know, Bridges and Cam Johnson are both very thin. You know, Saric isn't very mobile, and he's not exactly a defensive stalwart. They, they lack uh, that interior presence, and I think Frank went all in on trying to bully them. And if you look at the lineups, Tiny, he basically played two centers uh, for most of the game, if you count AD as center. There's a lot of AD and Drummond, and then AD and Mark, and then Mark and Trez, and then Trez and Drummond. It was just like a, a, a vicious cycle of—actually, uh, I don't think Trez and Drummond played tonight, but they, they just always had two bigs on the floor. And I think that was a a purposeful attempt to just physically manhandle Phoenix. And honestly, I thought strategically, uh, at least for tonight, that it worked really well.
1: Yeah, it's funny because we did like a Suns preview, right? I think the last spaces, I I can't remember. But um, I think we said Trez could play because they they play with Saric as the backup five usually. And even tonight, they actually went away from that. They went with Kaminsky first. He was ahead of him in the rotation. But I still think that's a guy that Trez can play against, right? he's not going to really – I mean, he's a good shooter, but I mean, he's not going to really kill you in the post. And uh, Trez can really go at him, go through his chest. And, uh, yeah, I thought that was a reason uh, – again, all these centers just feel matchup dependent to me. Like, 80's going to hopefully play the five when it matters. Gasol's going to play hopefully more, more of the minutes. And then Drummond, Trez, uh, even Keep, they're all kind of matchup. So I like what they did. And, again, Vogel coached tonight as a playoff game. I thought this was like the first – maybe against Denver as well. He did a little bit. But, like, tonight felt like the really first one that he coached. Like, okay – I want to win this game, and, and uh, the center minutes kind of match match that.
5: Yeah, because
4: he he pulled uh, he put Mark in first, got off the bench, and pulled Drummond right away. I know Drummond was in foul yeah. trouble, but I like to see that because he he wasn't really doing it as much
1: last game. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah, um, I agree, Jason. You have anything else on that?
0: No, I'm good, man.
1: I agree with you guys. All right, thank you, thank you boys. Thanks, good everyone, man. Enjoy as always. See you Tuesday. <laughs> yes, sir. All right, next, uh it says six eight something. I six eight on a good day. Yeah, I don't think that's his real name, but what's up?
4: No, the real name, the real name is Baylor, but uh um, I just I have I have two questions for you guys. What's, what's going on, man? Well, all right. Well, one of the questions is um do the Lakers, you know, go with the guys that they went with last year in the playoffs? I mean, obviously. Drummond's a new edition guy, but, I mean, other than him, those guys that was with you in the trenches for those three uh, series, um, do you go with those same guys? Because I would think those guys, like, obviously, like, still, like, know all the sets and
0: everything that they use,
4: getting into their, their plays
0: and shit, you know? More than that, it's just chemistry, man, especially with their lack of continuity that they've had this year. Like, I... I, I think that he'll still be very—I don't want to say experimental—but I think you'll still see a lot of new stuff in the in the early games of the series. But make no mistake, dude. If it's first round, Phoenix series tied at two, fourth quarter close game, you're going to see a lot of LeBron AD, KCP, Kuzma, and Caruso. I, I think that I think that you know w- when the shit hits the fan, for lack of a better term that they're going to default to something that they've got a lot of reps with uh, just because it's going to give them their best chance to win in those super high leverage moments.
3: Yeah,
1: and I think I was looking at the the lineup data, the five-man lineup data. Those dudes haven't even played, I think, like 20 minutes together this season. So those all those guys who are like, um, in the bubble, uh, those guys, I think I can pull it up here. Um, yeah, those dudes have played... Eight minutes together this season. The LeBron, Davis, KCP, Caruso, Kuzma—those dudes were in the bubble. Who won the title? Eight minutes together. So they haven't really got to see it, but yeah, I think I think they can go to it in the bubble. I mean, not in the bubble in the playoffs this year, but we just have not seen them really recreate that 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 lineup again this year. And a lot of that had to do with health, but also they're just not playing that lineup. But hopefully, they'll go to it uh, in the playoffs.
4: Also, like I, I think LeBron uh, at a eighty percent, or because he said he wasn't going to be uh, you know one hundred percent. I think 80 or 70 percent, mm-hmm. It's he's still better than, um, you know, probably your second option on whoever team, like whatever stars, you know, that person or hell, maybe even that star, 80 percent LeBron is still not bad. Um, But I know like when his back is against the wall, like uh, I wonder if the Lakers ever just go to a lineup, of just him at the point guard and just five out cheese and everything, you know. But, you know, probably not like running Morris at like the five and uh, just having like Braun at the, at the one and just, you know, just killing everybody because you can't guard everybody. So
0: LeBron just penetrating and just, he's just going to kill you every time. They did a lot of that in the postseason, and, and one of the big reasons why is that Keith was just shooting so well. Um, and, and, you know, Mar- Mark Keith, I think he's, he's a little bit more mobile this year, but last year he wasn't great defending out on the perimeter. But where he's always been a good defender is as a post up defender. He's just really good at, at holding his ground and defending without fouling and making dudes settle for uh, fadeaways over the top of him. And so it all just kind of worked. But, you know, this season, it, it's hard to say uh, uh, with, with how deep they are at the guard position that they won't like go with a more traditional AD at the five type of lineup where instead of Mark Heath kind of playing default five, they'll just have like a third guard on the floor. Or something along those lines. That's just my what I personally expect. I, when I only said, those lines. I, I only said Morris at the
4: at the five because I know A D doesn't like banging down there with, with the big guys. So he's so much better as a help defender, you know, he could do that more playing the four. So I just figured you'd put him there and just put a shooter at the
1: five, you know. No, well, you're right yeah, about that. And he will. I mean, he played sixty percent of his minutes at the five um, in the playoffs, so he'll he'll do it when it matters. And that's I think you talked about it like uh, you just give LeBron a D and a bunch of spacing, um, a bunch of shooters, and that's pretty much a recipe for success. That's why the AD at the five um, lineup works so well is because he's not just uh, not he, not only can he shoot, but even on the defensive end, he's able to help recover. And he's one of the best uh, rim protectors in the league, and he can do all that from the five. In my opinion, even easier than when he's at the four or when he has another uh, five, five, yep. five men behind them.
4: One so. thing before before you guys go, because I know other people would like to talk to you guys, but um, sure. also, also, too, uh, like, no other team, like, really has that. Like, the the luxury of having two bigs, because, you know, I mean, Bron is kind of, you know, he's, he's big. He's a freight train, right? So, I just, you know, Brooklyn out in the East, they don't have that. Nobody out West has the luxury of doing something like that. Like, even the Clippers, you know, like, they don't have anything like that. You can't just do that with those guys. So, I just think the Lakers have a, you know, better advantage when healthy
0: yeah i mean the the we talked a little bit about this earlier in the in the pod when we were talking about uh, pick and roll coverages but the the crazy thing with lebron and ad is a 4 5 combo is they can switch any pick and roll that involves them as a big man so it takes the the primary action that the vast majority of teams around the league run to get their best looks and just effectively makes it obsolete cuz it's like call up your center and you're going to get ad involved in the play like good luck with that or you're going to get lebron james involved in the play and then the and then they can also put lebron and ad on your two best players which makes them ineffectual as, as their own screen partners and so i i tend to think that uh uh that that is their biggest ace in the hole is more so than lebron and ad offensively is just what they can do defensively as a pairing on the floor especially when you put them with guards like Caruso and KCP who are always in the right spot at the right time and put in those extra effort plays. And especially with the player that Kuzma has become, I mean, look, make no mistake about it. It's hard to, it's hard to visualize with how crazy and chaotic the season has been, but when healthy, this Laker team is considerably better than last year. They've, the, the moves on the margins are better. Caruso's significantly better. KCP is more or less the same. Kuzma is like twice as good. As he was last year. Uh, There are a lot of reasons why this team should, when healthy, be better than last year. We just haven't really gotten to see what that looks like as a result of health. And um, that's why you should feel optimistic about this group if they can regain their form uh, in time to uh, uh, face up with the real, real competitive uh, uh, teams with them at that top tier of the league, like the Clippers, like the Nets, and, and so on and so forth.
1: Yeah, I guess the only last thing you said, the Clippers don't have anyone to match up with that. I don't think anyone in the league really does. I think the Lakers—that's their ace that they can go against against anyone, right? That LeBron AD four or five matchup. Um, maybe Giannis at the five with the Bucks. Um, other than that, I'm not really sure any other uh, combo that can really go with that. So yeah, that's their—that's what they're betting on: uh, their health, uh, their role players. Hopefully, look, we we talked in the offseason, This is one of the most talented Laker teams that we've seen, right? Just from a pure pure like talent level. Now it's, like, all theoretical. We haven't really got to see it, but that's what they're betting on, health and uh, that those two just being able to power them through the playoffs. I appreciate you, man. Oh, Thank God. Thanks. All right, let's see. Let me get uh, Merge up here. My friend Merge, what's going on? I, again, uh, if, you, if you just got in, apologies for my voice. I lost my voice on Saturday night, and I'm not sure where it went, but I hope you all find it for the next spaces. Um, so <laughs> I apologize. Merge, what's going on, man?
5: Whoa, whoa, whoa. You want
1: to hear me?
6: Yes, sir. Yeah, I can hear you. What's up? Hey, man, what's going on? Uh, I have two things. One thing, one thing uh, sort of a comment about the playing the Suns. Uh, so I think this game kind of solidified for me that I think we can kind of use that first round series against the Suns as not having to have LeBron go full LeBron. Uh, like we were kind of worried about having having him having to go too fast, too quick, come off of that injury. Uh, I think you can kind of lean on AD a little bit uh, as a as the, the you know the top option there, and let him sort of dominate yeah. in that five six game four five six game series against the Suns. Give him an week week and a half two weeks of resting, and then playing the Clippers or whoever we we had played in the second round. Uh, LeBron can really come out. Um, I don't know what do you think about something like that.
0: I 100% agree with you. Like you, you you're you're right in the sense that LeBron doesn't have to be LeBron LeBron. Mm-hmm. Until he's toe-to-toe with Kawhi and toe-to-toe with Kevin Durant. That part I mm-hmm. agree with you. But everything else has to be right. Because teams like a team like Phoenix can beat the Lakers if LeBron is 70% and AD is not quite himself and the defense isn't sharp. And so what yeah. is exciting is AD looks like he's getting close to 100% and the defense looks great. Because now I can confidently say that LeBron easing his way back from an injury is enough to win that matchup. But make no mistake, LeBron's going to have to look, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant in the face uh, later on this postseason. And he's going to have to go head to head with those guys. And so he does eventually need to get back to uh, uh, pretty close to the to the real deal. Um, but I'm, I'm with you that he that he doesn't have to right away if he catches a team like the Suns in the first round.
1: Yeah, merge. I 100% agree with you. That's why I like that first round is so important for me. It's just to get them, get those C legs under him, get that, get his uh, conditioning up. A lot of I think the Laker Twitter doctors as well. Um, they said like he's probably not going to be right until the second round anyway, just mm-hmm. with how those injuries work. So yeah, he can just get through. Look, the Suns. Like I know we dominated them tonight, but like you don't win that many games without being really good. Right? Like they're they're a really good team. I think LeBron's still going to have to be maybe not 100%, but like at his 90. 85% to beat the Suns, in my opinion. Um, AD can really work inside. This is a great series for AD. I don't think DeAndre can guard him, Dario Saric, uh, Craig. All those guys are not a matchup for AD. It's just uh, I still think we need LeBron's shot creation, though. Um, we saw it tonight. I think Caruso did a nice job tonight. I just don't think in a seven-game series that's that's enough to create enough points um, to kind of to generate enough points to beat this Phoenix team without LeBron's shot creation. But, yeah, I don't think he has to be that full 40-point, 15-15 a night that we'll probably need <laughs> uh, in the in the finals.
6: Right, yeah. No, I, the, the main thing, it's not that LeBron should just, like, lay off, but like you were saying, he doesn't have to be the guy who's going to have to go up against Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant. Uh, I'm more worried about him, like, you know, having to go from very slow to really fast and, like, metaphorically tweaking something if you kind of been able to ramp it in that first round and that second round, that's kind of, it's an an ideal matchup to have AD against a team like the Suns who, yeah, they are a great team and they've been really good this year, but I think AD is kind of the ultimate matchup nightmare for them, especially because they don't really have that guy who can match up with AD. Um, And the second thing I I wanted to say is what do you guys think of the uh, playoff rotation? How many, how many people do you think it gets cut down to? And uh, ultimately, who do you think are the ones who are locked in, who are definitely playing every single series, as opposed to the ones who might it might be uh, on and off as, as the matchups go on?
0: We've uh, talked about this a few times over the, over the last few weeks. I, I think that uh, it's going to be matchup dependent. I think you might see certain players go dormant against one team and then all of a sudden be leaned on heavily against another team. A great example of that is going to be like, if you play Jokic in one round and you play, you know, uh, Zubac in another round, it's going to be a, a different type of center rotation. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I think I think it's going to come down to uh, figuring out how many of the guards play. I tend to think guys like THT and Mark Keefe are going to fall out of the rotation. and You're going to see a lot more of Wesley Matthews, and you're going to see a lot more of, uh, of I, think, I think Montrez is another guy who might fall to the, to the edge of the rotation uh in the postseason but honestly man i i, I don't know how you even could feel confident about what that's going to look like with how all over the place frank has been this year which has not been his mm-hmm. fault for the record it's been because of the injuries but i mean this this rotation has been all over the place this year
1: <laughs> I, I feel like all the bigs are matchup dependent for me maybe gasol plays more but like It's going to be LeBron at the five, and then we'll see where they can play Drummond, see where they can play Trez, see where they can play Markeith. I think those wings, and then Ben McLemore, we'll see if he's hot that night, right? But other than that, it's going to be Caruso, KCP, Kuzma, LeBron, AD. And then from there, you can kind of pick out um, who's going to play after that. It might be like Wes Matthews as well might be a more of a fixture. He's playing really well so if he continues this, you know, he might be a fixture in that rotation, but after that to me Vogel's just going to be able to uh push whatever buttons he wants kind of just like he did last year. So that's why I keep comparing Drummond to to JaVale, not like or not to Javell, like not to Dwight. Um so just just like situationally how he's going to play, um where he's going to be put in and that, that's how I see it. So most I I hope it's going to be like an 8 man 9 man rotation because I don't I just don't think you can have 12 or 13 men playing every night. It's just mm-hmm. that's just not how the playoffs goes. No one will be in rhythm uh in that way. So that's how I hope and see that how it goes. All right. I
6: think that is it. Thanks for having me on, guys.
1: Right, Thanks, man. It. Anytime. Anytime. Thank Peace. Peace out. Uh, all right, we got uh we got maples. <laughs> maples up here.
0: Mr. Maples, what's up, man? How <laughs> oh, y'all?
5: What's going on, man? Nah, good, I was, man? I was just curious what you guys thought. Uh, I was talking to some people like this about this. Uh, what do you think? Who's who do you think is going to be the toughest matchup for the Lakers in the playoffs on the way to a championship? Who's the toughest matchup? Like, I'm not saying you don't want to see him because you got to play everybody eventually. But who do you think gives the Lakers the most trouble in your opinion in the Western Conference?
0: I've been pretty consistent uh, yeah. about this. I have the Clippers, man. I, I think I think uh, uh, they're just built in the sense that uh, they can go to lineups that will force the Lakers to be isolation-heavy um, by going with all their wings and, and force LeBron and AD to take a lot of off-the-dribble jump shots, especially if the spacing isn't there. I would still pick the Lakers in that matchup. I thought, I thought what New York I – th- I thought what the Knicks did to the Clippers today with their defense is a great example of the way that the Lakers – can stagnate them in return and make a guy like Kawhi uh, really struggle to find quality looks and and wear them down over a series. I would pick the Lakers, but if there's a team that has that has uh, uh, you know the theoretical pieces they need to cause the Lakers problem, it, it would be the Clippers, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I'm with that as well. I feel like the Clippers have. Like, people aren't really watching the Clippers, in my opinion, I feel like, because obviously what happened last year. But, man, like, they're just as good. They're a crazy three point shooting team, right? They're like super elite. They create high level three point shots. I don't know if that'll go in in the playoffs, but with that and the star level uh, play of uh, Kawhi, and we'll see what Paul George does, I just think their ceiling is, uh, is the highest of what they can do. And they give the Lakers trouble, right? Though those wings play well. I don't think it's a coincidence. Those wings play well against us almost every time. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think it's the Clippers. They just have the high variance. Uh, with the shooting, I think Zubac starting changes things a lot for them. Like he's really good as a defensive big man center. They can they can put out there. So definitely, yeah. I,
5: I saw their defense shot up the top ten when uh since they've been starting yeah. it, when it was in the team. So yeah, I'm just curious uh, about what you guys thought. I kind of lean uh, lean that way too. It, it was going to be different for me until they lost Murray. But I'm with right. you guys with the Clippers. And just one more. Uh, of the Eastern Conference teams in the finals, you know, saying the Lakers get there, knocking on some wood. Um, who's the, who do you think's the toughest matchup coming out of there? I think that might be a little, you no, know, I've gone back and forth on that one. Well,
0: I want to hear your opinion first, man. What do you think?
5: Uh, for me, it was the, uh, honestly, it was the uh, the Sixers for me. I think that would be the, 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 the kind of toughest matchup because just because it will force the Lakers to play you know, drumming and play big a little more, and that kind of hurts the Lakers offensively. And that was kind of, you know, my, my train of thought there. I think if you put AD, I think you put AD at the five, you know, I'm not saying they handle the Nets pretty well, but I think that kind of neutralizes what the Nets want to do offensively. I tend to think that the Lakers would eventually
0: figure out a way to really slow down the Sixers' offense. Uh, well, it, 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 what worries me about Brooklyn, and this is what makes the James Harden thing so crazy is like the Laker defense is so good that you have to beat them by shooting over the top when they've got it going, you know, you have to beat them by shooting over their smaller guards. And you know, when it's just KD and Kyrie, or when it's just Kyrie, or it's just whoever it is, you can fatigue them and force them to, to miss. But that three headed attack there. It, to me it kind of balances out the physical wear and tear of generating offense against the Lakers to where you know you could see all three of them having you know moments in the game where they can be aggressive but where they can also fade into the background and not have to worry about being the guy who's generating everything and in theory if they can continue to cause teams problems with their switching defense I I I, I still think that Brooklyn is the scariest and I don't think that that massive win streak. That they went on with James Harden was a coincidence. I thought that was they found a formula. They were switching on defense, and it was screwing people up. And then no he, one can guard them on the other end.
5: Yeah, that was my thing. I just I just I just saw what Giannis did to them, like back to back games.
0: I just <laughs> right. I just don't
5: think I think a like the playoff version of AD is is kind of you know he obviously can't initiate like Giannis, but as far as being able to score on smaller guys and against switches, I think like the the talent is similar. So that's quite mm-hmm. a comment. And did you think you're adding LeBron James to it on top of it? So that's why I was like, eh, I I don't I don't know if it's the if Brooklyn's the toughest matchup for the Lakers. But I was just curious what you guys thought. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's gonna be close. Like it was Brooklyn for me all year and then like I guess the Bucks are starting to kind of creep creep in there, but like Jason was talking about like what Jason was talking about. Uh oh, sorry, there's two Jasons now. Uh JT was talking JT was talking about with like uh with Brooklyn how to defend them. katie katie and Kyrie are the only really two right in the East that have proven are gonna hit like those tough shots when it matters. Like those are the two have like kind of proven it. That's why I would still kind of pick them um in a playoff series where against the Lakers you're gonna have to hit those tough mid range kind of contested shots. And they're guys that look for that shot. Like they they try to purposely get to that, so that's where my struggle would be. And then Harden just, man, that makes that so tough to cover because you can't really trap anywhere. Um, I think the Lakers would kind of figure it out, see who they want to leave open, maybe leave Bruce Brown or something open. But, yeah, that's where it's really tough. But Milwaukee's starting to go up, man, what Giannis is doing. Drew Holiday, I think, is huge. Um, I think he was, like, a huge uh, X factor for them in the playoffs. He's a playoff performer, too, so it's close for me. It's closer than it was. Um, do you see that as well? Maple's, like, Milwaukee, for you, have they kind of, like –
5: yeah. I mean I watch uh I watch a uh a ton of Pelican game and a drop off between Bledsoe and Holiday, the gap. Oh my
3: <laughs> god. Boy.
5: I definitely feel you there. The gap, uh that that's definitely something to consider. I, I think Drew's gonna be much better in a playoff setting. And uh Giannis is I think Giannis is different. Obviously people are gonna push back. We'll see in the playoffs, but I'm definitely, you know, Milwaukee definitely has my eyes and they're actually playing the best right now, in my opinion at least.
0: So do you, did you watch that 2nd Bucks Bucs-Nets game, the one where Kyrie was complaining about their crunch time offense?
5: Uh, I, saw, I saw it towards the end of it, yeah.
0: Yeah, so th- that I thought was the interesting kind of microcosm of, of what I think is the way to beat Brooklyn. Um, and it's, it's kind of like what happened to the Clippers last year against Denver. Like they just forced them into taking a ton of contested jump shots and the Clippers just went cold. And you saw the Bucks did the same thing to Brooklyn in that game. It just it became very your turn, my turn, and right. uh, and, and the the superstar crazy pull up shots just they just weren't going. And I think I think that's the the strategy to beat Brooklyn is physically wear them down and then stagnate them, and then just hope that at the end of those games they just have those like contagious cold nights where they just can't make anything, and then and then you're on the other end you're getting these like that's the cool thing about the Giannis, you know, impact and what LeBron and AD will do is like their stagnation is at the rim. Like they're, they're, they're like, Hey, we're force fitting, feeding LeBron and AD in isolation, but LeBron's putting his head down and going to the rim. And AD is, you know, backing the dude down and shooting like a seven footer over the top of him. Like it's, it's just a different type of stagnant offense when it's at the rim
1: than when it's all pull up jumpers, you know, get the shot quality. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, and we saw what happens to James Harden, right? When he tries <laughs> to the playoffs, he just stands at half court sometimes. Now, I don't know if he'll do that now. He's got a lot more talent around him, and, you know, like, we'll see how that goes. But I think that's, like, a kind of te- – I think that's the template. You kind of trap Harden and then make the other guys try to take tough shots. But they yeah, just they're a, they're a tough cover. I,
5: I just wanted you guys get the, you know, you guys to kind of a uh, kind of idea of who you, the matchups were. Mm -hmm. So appreciate y'all man. Love what y'all doing, man. This is dope. Maples, I appreciate you, man, man. as always. Yes, sir. Appreciate it, man. All right, let's
1: see. We got
0: James Harden's better than Kobe and Dwayne Wade, so they should be just fine, from what I've been told (laughs) on Twitter. Oh my God.
7: (laughs) Ro, are you there? Hey uh, what's up? Can you hear me? What's up, man? What's going on, man? The thing about the Nets that you guys were talking about, though, is, like, regardless of how it looks, we've only seen them for seven games together, right? So, like, how, like, obviously, it happened with the Clippers last year where it didn't have enough chemistry. So how do we think that plays out this year? Because, like, these guys are just, the talent is just on a different level,
0: you know? So I agree with you in the sense that uh, that the talent is on a different level. It makes it different. These guys are much smarter, smarter offensive players than uh, Kawhi and Paul George are. Uh, The thing the thing that makes it tricky and Kevin Durant actually talked about this in his podcast. uh, I think Bansky just straight up asked him like, hey, man, like, what do you say to the people who say you guys haven't played enough together? And he's like, we're we're high IQ basketball players. This is easy for us. Put us in the floor. We know what to do. We know how to play basketball, you know. I've always said that the lack of continuity is going to hurt them more on the defensive end. Cause yeah. you know, right now you're getting, you know, whatever, 70, 72 minutes of, of, of Katie and Kyrie. And then the rest is being played by these role players who are, are embracing the dirty work. And they're actually doing a pretty decent job defensively with those guys, uh, given their lack of talent. When you throw yeah. James Harden in the mix and now all three of them are playing, you know, 38, 40 minutes, uh uh that that three that group of those three guys hasn't really learned how to get stops together yet and and that yeah, to me like is even, what in, makes those, even in those even in those
7: games where they were having those really close games I think with the clippers I think early on when those three were playing it was like they were winning but they were only winning by outscoring them because at the end of the day like teams were having trouble stopping them too but that's also a seven game sample size so you know
3: mm-hmm. exactly yeah. i
0: just tend to think that they will be able to score no matter what it's just yeah. can they defend and a key part of their lineup has been out and he's a historically bad defensive player and if you throw him into that mix and take away you know a guy like that uh, whatever his name is Bruce Brown or whatever who has been you know cra- like defending like a, a, a crazy person I, I think it swings uh, you know that side of the floor you know in, in a negative manner and there is a bit of a diminishing return on the offensive end and I think it lowers their ceiling a little bit.
7: Yeah, it's them and then the Clippers. I'm. I have a little bit worry about the Clippers only because for some reason, when they see the purple and gold, those guys all ha- are just insane. That lack of focus or them giving up big leads like they did against the Nuggets. I don't see that happening against the Lakers. Like if the Lakers beat them, they're gonna have to beat them. For some reason, when they see the Lakers, they're just they, they don't. They're on their p's and q's. They don't miss anything. They're just straight up and. <laughs> But, yeah, it's just them and the Nets that I'm worried about. The, for the Nets, my other thing is, if they are on, it's like for teams to go shot for shot with them, like, that's insane. Like, we we make fun of James for all of his playoff failures, this and that. But at the end of the day, like, Harden never played with a guy of KD's caliber ever. And now he's about to be passing the ball and running the offense with KD and Kyrie, who are both historically really clutch players. And so, I mean, if, if we see a finals matchup, it should be insane.
1: Yeah, the, the funny part about that, you said he's never played with a guy of KD's caliber. Yeah, it was KD, right? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. from City. Oh, yeah. Played, it was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I
3: guess. I don't know, yeah, but, no, your
1: point is definitely right, though, with that. He has way more talent around him. And I think, look, like I said this about the Lakers this year. They've obviously um got into the going into the playoffs focusing on health right that's what they yeah. want to do and Nets are doing the same thing right they're trying to focus on health yeah. I do think there's like this respect you have to have the continuity and this respect you have to have the chemistry of what it takes to win a title which, yeah like I just don't think um well the Nets aren't going to have enough time with the with the games missed I think KD Kyrie and Harden only played like 15-20 games together as well Um yeah. so that's where that's where their struggle is going to be have they gone and gone through enough Um, ups and downs to where in the playoffs they'll be able to trust each other on defense and be able to uh, go do what you need to do in a playoff series and that's i think that's a good thing i just think the talent is overwhelming in the eastern conference and you can't go shot with shot for shot with them that's a losing that's a losing strategy like you can't go iso you can't play iso game with them because they'll win that that's what they want that's what they want you to do they want you to get into like a one-on-one battle they'll switch a lot they're very like very much like how houston did last year where they try to switch everything make you Mm -hmm. go into an isolation battle so so, yeah, I, th- I think you're right with that. Um, they'll definitely have some issues. I just think the talent level is just just too high for them.
0: Well, to yeah. your point about the to your point about the shot for shot thing, that's the point
1: of the the LeBron
0: and AD or the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid or the Giannis, Drew Holiday type of a pairing mm-hmm. that makes it different is. You know, uh, if you go, I I would be, I am 1000% certain that if the Clippers got into a playoff series with the Nets, they would lose because they
3: they get into
0: those environments and they get into jump shooting contests with them. But for the Lakers, for the Sixers teams that like, you know, when, when they're on the other end, taking contested pull up jump shots, you're ramming it down their throat at the rim. Yeah. to me to me that is the way you counter their shot like you can you can get into an isolation contest with them if you bully them while they're trying to out finesse you that to me is the way to beat them
2: yeah
7: all right well i appreciate it, you guys thanks for having me on appreciate thank you man. man thank you let's
1: see we got two more here so we can get to those cool cam, cam- cambo what's going on man Looks like
3: it's
2: uh, connecting. Let's see if I can
1: get. Can you guys see me? Oh. Yeah. What's going on,
2: Colton? Oh, not much. Uh, I guess one thing I've noticed tonight, especially, and I guess the first half of the Clippers game, uh, Matt West Matthews. He has came out on defense, and he has been awesome. Early, I know earlier in the season, he battled leg injuries and stuff, but uh, specifically the lineups with him, Crusoe, and KCP, I thought the perimeter defense was awesome tonight. And I think, especially if we play the Clippers, I think he's going to be important. I realize he's a little undersized for Kawhi and PG, but I think, I don't know him and Kuzma are probably going to be switching on and off, but yeah, that's really what Yeah, I,
0: I, t- I tend to think that uh, uh, every older veteran player from the bubble deserves a pass for the way they looked <laughs> in the first few months of the season. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I think all of them got out of Disney and they were like not touching the basketball <laughs> for, for the next several months. I think that was their way of, of, of rejuvenating from that crazy experience. And, I think a lot of those guys. Wes isn't the only guy like that in the league right now, who's a little bit older, who's had some injuries in his life, who came back and looked a little sloppy. His mobility right now, compared to the way it looked back in December, is insane. He he's, he looks like a different player. Um, and I and I'm with you. Like he's your he's your guy that you play when you're dealing with bigger wing scores. Uh, he's not as as quick as he used to be, but he's still really really strong, and he's still laterally quick enough to hang with the the bigger wings in the league that aren't going to be as shifty and quick as you might have to deal with with uh, with the quicker type of guards. And it looks like with the way that the uh, matchups are shaking out that the Lakers are far more likely to run into wings than they are to guards at this point, with the exception of the play-in game against Steph. Uh, That's going to be the one (laughs) uh, random wrinkle in there.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I I said before, like, Wes rounding into form is – pretty big like the whole league wants three and d wings right that's what they want mikhail bridges is about to get paid this summer <laughs> like i think mm-hmm. like he's one of the best uh three and d wings but yeah west canning in the form he's a he's a grown experienced dude like he's been in the league a long time he knows what it like takes i guess to get his body ready for a full season going to the playoffs and his jumper going is huge like he looks like he's moving well i remember in the beginning of the season like he got really cooked by Kawhi, i think and paul george in that like first clippers game um tonight and the last few games he's looked really good against wings um and he's playing well, so I think he's gonna be a fixture of the uh, the rotation. Uh, him and Kuzma, you can't can't have enough of those wings. Man, that's, yeah, uh, that's that's what the whole league wants.
2: Yeah, I'm not really. Everyone's freaking out over like rotations and stuff, but I mean, Lakers have so many bodies and so many different. Uh, they're shape shifting team. They can literally, got matchups for any team. I do think the Clippers, is gonna be a if we play them, it's gonna be a bloodbath. I. I don't know just every time we play them we it's just I don't know it's just a slow it down type of game I don't know it should be good but yeah
0: Colton I'm stealing that shape-shifting team I like that that's going into my repertoire I'll be using it from here forward
1: yeah all right thanks guys appreciate it Colton. thanks man all right, and uh, let's see if we got one get, more. Yeah, let's see if we can get Gambo on here, and we'll just close it off for that for the night. It looks like it's still connecting. Um, I guess I'll just read some quotes here. Uh, Frank Vogel said Alice Caruso has to be considered for an all-defensive team. Uh, That's from Rad Rivas, Christian Rivas. Uh, I think we would agree, right? Like he would, if he got the minutes, I just don't think all defensive players come off the bench for the most part. But I think he would be considered if he was starting. Would you think think that?
0: Yeah, I think it's impossible for him to get the award, unfortunately, just with the way that this whole process works. But here's all I'll say about Alex Crusoe. He is one of the few guys in the league that I think fits the description of a defensive wrecking ball. The dude just blows up plays all the time. He's one of my favorite players to root for just because I've never really seen a guy, um, you know, at, at that type of position who, he, he, I guess I, I shouldn't say I never see that guy. Cause there are several of them like that in the league. But for me personally, and in the, in the teams that I've rooted for since I've been an NBA fan, he's the first guy that I've had like that, um, uh, who is mm-hmm. literally just a wrecking ball defense. That play today where he was kind of playing in between Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton and then oh, yeah. uh, backpedaled and just jumped and broke up the lob to DeAndre Ayton. That's just a
1: ridiculous defensive play. Just a ridiculous defensive play. Yeah, he was right Let me see if I can get this last uh, caller on here. Okay, seven. Looks like it's just not connecting, <laughs> connecting anymore. Uh, we, well, we, we can try we can it. try again on tuesday for that yeah. gentleman yeah uh well this was good um this is a big win uh and uh yeah i feel like we got 80 we got AD playing like himself um i think we got the knicks on tuesday who beat the clippers tonight actually um in la so mm-hmm. it's a big win for them
0: yeah hey thank you guys all so much for listening sincerely we appreciate it um If you missed out uh, on anything that you want to hear again, I have been fortunate to be able to figure out how to record these uh, using just screen recording on an iPhone. And I'll release it as a podcast here in a few minutes so you can check out the thing in its entirety. And to my knowledge, uh, Raj and I plan on doing this again after the next game on Tuesday. And, you know, we just really appreciate your guys' support. This is a lot of fun. And I'm glad we finally have some good news to talk about.
1: Yep. And hopefully I'll find my voice by then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I appreciate everyone who uh, stayed and came and requested and everything to uh, come up. These are really cool. And i um...